Canuck Central here in the Kintec studio. It's hour number two of the program. Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. This text coming in, 650-650, one thing very noticeable between the teams moving forward and the Canucks, they are all puck hounds. They win board battles. They don't quit on puck battles and have speed. Size is always needed, but that Hanson-type attitude seems to be prevalent, and we need more of it. Hashtag Nuck in the six. So a uh, Canucks fan all the way out in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, that's what they keep talking about. Uh, they want uh better four checkers. They want guys that can win puck battles more. They want guys that can not only help offensively in that regard, but also have tenacity defensively. Yeah. That can win pucks, get pucks out, be good along the walls. And you need to do all those things. I mean, if Vancouver can have an effective four check and speed up front, it doesn't matter. You're not going to compete. It kind of goes in line with a lot of what management has said since, you know, the day they got in. We know we have talent, but we need to be more of a team. And we need to get better in certain areas. And we don't all agree with that. Not to the full extent. And I think everybody understands the talent still has to get better on this roster. But they do have uh, some of the key elements already in place. And we know that as well. Uh, let's bring in our next guest. He's a key element of this program each and every Monday. It is uh, Don Taylor. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon on Check TV. Uh, Donnie, we're, we're looking at the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and yet again, a couple of eight seeds getting through, upsetting the big favorites. Uh, it just uh, anything can happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs, as the old saying goes, right? I'm calling it the worst Sunday in the history of the Vancouver Connection. I haven't done a lot of research <laughs> uh, on this, but just y- you think of what might be going on there in the front office. and You know, we only finished nine points uh, less than the Florida Panthers. 17 less than the Kraken, but come on, you know, there's the second-year team. I'm sure they're thinking, hey, if Louis Erickson's available, maybe $5 million a year over five, and would that be a good deal? <laughs> Just to, you know, the worst Sunday in the history of the Vancouver Canucks, in my, in my opinion. But seriously, now it was, it was so, it's, the playoffs have been so great, and you just wanted Vancouver to be a part of it uh, one day. Um, and, and it was, in that way, tough to watch, but just so entertaining, so entertaining, so much fun. It is, right? And I think we're all, we all kind of watch this and we go, man, can't wait for the Canucks to be in a spot to not only play in the playoffs, but actually have a chance to win in the playoffs. And, you know, the, the debate rages on, right? I mean, there's a difference between winning a round or two, two and actually being a Stanley Cup contender. But at the same time, when you see, you know, how eight seeds are able to perhaps beat the one seeds and, you know, how the parity is changing... I mean, not to say that you have just getting into the playoffs is enough, but I mean, getting into the playoffs certainly seems to be enough nowadays to maybe just win a round or two. And if you're an owner in the National Hockey League, I can see how that's a pretty big draw because if you win a round and win two yeah. rounds, that's what, an extra 20, 30 million in revenue? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and in line with that, and um, we had Tom Gillardi on our show, I want to say two or three weeks ago. I know 650 has had him on uh, as well. But we asked him that question, not, not that question specifically, but about, you know, rebuilding. And if he, he believed in that sort of thing. Now, given the history between Tom and Francesco, I, I thought for sure he would like be willing to give some advice to Francesco and say, no, what you're doing is wrong and you should be rebuilding. But no, he said, no, nope, I, I don't think that's the way to go. I think, you know, you, you, you get into the playoffs, you, you, you build up a decent foundation and you hope you hope for the best once you get to the postseason and grab yourself some revenue. I was surprised he went in that direction. So 
Um, I can say what I want. You guys can say what you want about you know, the Canucks. Maybe you should do something different, rebuild for the first time in 50-plus years. <laughs> but Francesco isn't the only owner who feels that way. I was surprised. Uh, I was surprised by that answer, and maybe that's why they're good at business, and I'm not. Well, the the, the funny thing that that uh, that I always think about when because this, this conversation's come up in in Calgary too right now with all the changes that are going on there yeah. right now, and you know they've never been a team that wants to to rebuild, and you know it, I would imagine that this is you know the whole uh, our our fan base won't let us tank is probably. I would I would have thought that's more of a conversation in the Columbuses or the Arizonas of the world, where different from a Canadian city that's like always, you know, going to support their team no matter what. Like at least there's a hardcore fan base that's never going to not buy season tickets here in Vancouver or Calgary or the like, Donnie. Yeah, and but but I think Dan, if 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 I may, like going way back when when you you first become aware of this possibility of, uh, of rebuilding and and you know when I first became aware of it the word out of the Canuck front office is well no our our fan base supports us so well that we have to give them at the very least a competitive product so we don't want to lose 9-1 you know but how about 3-1 or, or 4 or 4-2 and I, I always question that thinking because I think what you just said is so true. I think the fan base would, you know, it, it would it would definitely dip, but I think long run they'd be willing to go back if they saw you were in going in the right direction, and there was something to show at the at the end of it. So I always felt that was a it was the for me the wrong way of, of thinking. But again, I you know if I was an owner, I think I'd be in the minority. So we all know that cheering for the Leafs here, if you're a Canucks fan, it just doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. But it does cheering for the Kraken, is that better? Aren't they supposed to be the biggest rival for the Canucks from now on? Like, I see a lot of Canucks fans jumping on the Seattle Kraken bandwagon, and you do you. I'm not trying to gatekeep anybody and, and yeah. their fandom and whatever. But that, that one doesn't. That one kind of is strange to me. Because if we're trying to build up Seattle being the biggest rival, shouldn't, shouldn't we be hate-watching Seattle? Yes, and it's. I think there's been a level of embarrassment there with the Kraken. Maybe it's almost like Canuck fans don't want to admit how embarrassed they are. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, the Kraken, we're on board. Yeah. Because it is really tough to take that a team comes in and its second year has done this well, and it's pretty legitimate. You can talk about who Colorado was missing. Seattle was missing two of its best players. It's, it, it's legitimate, but you're right. You go on social media, and I am surprised to see how many people are, are on board, how many people from this part of the world are on board uh, with the Kraken. I guess it just has to do with, you know, there hasn't been an, an incident, like, say, the Macar incident in the Seattle uh, series or the Everly incident where you could say, we hate these guys, and that just hasn't happened Seattle, uh, Vancouver. So I, I think that has to happen in order for us to really hate the Kraken. And, you know, there's a lot of people who would look forward to that. Sports is emotional. I don't mind feeling hate or, or love. I, I can't imagine too many fans will be happy if the, the Kraken end up in a Stanley Cup final, though. <laughs> it would be well, pretty funny that, to see it, Donnie. Yeah, it would, I guess. But I think there's some level of expectation there just because of Vegas. Yeah. yeah so so they did it in, in, in their first year for you know, gosh sakes, versus their their second year. But I think some people would go, okay, I'm not that, I'm not uh, really, really that surprised. It would still be, it would still be 
you know, hard to take, I think. But it wouldn't be that surprising, given that we just saw it, what, in 2018. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's just one of those things that kind of gets me a bit. And I, and I know some fans are just Kraken fans, and that's fine. Be, be, be the fan of whatever team you want. But if we're truly looking at, you know, what's best for the salary cap, shouldn't we want to see maybe a Kraken Leafs final? Like, because, I mean, the amount of attention in Seattle would be insane, right? And that's a big market, and there would be such a buzz around them. And as, as much as I hate to say it, we all know that the team that makes the most money and creates the most revenue for the league is the Toronto Maple Leafs. So maybe a, a Kraken Leafs final is, is exactly what the Vancouver Canucks need to get out of their cap trouble. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's a good thought. I think most of the people that I know, and, you know, there's at least two of them, uh, most of the people I consider friends, maybe three, but you know, the, most of them, uh, I, I, like, surprisingly, given the way the Canucks weren't supported by the country back in 2011, a lot of them want to see Leafs Oilers, and, you know, an all-Canadian final, which we haven't seen since 1989. I think, I think that's the final that a lot of people up here would like to see, even though there would be, you know, there's a, there's a rivalry there with those uh, two teams. And I think a lot of it is, wouldn't it be great to see McDavid win a Stanley Cup before his career is over? And wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great to see him beat the Leafs while doing that? So that that's part of it uh, too. But I'm getting a lot of that that people want to see Leafs Oilers, but uh, Leafs Kraken obviously would be interesting as well. Well, the uh, we know it'd be all over our Twitter feeds and uh, on every night, Sportsnet Central and the like. Uh, just uh, yeah. all of the Maple Leafs programming you could possibly handle, right, Donnie? Well, hold on a second. Isn't there already a documentary in the works after winning a playoff series for the first time since 2004? Uh, and I'm not kidding. I bet you there will be. If oh, they yeah. get knocked out this, this this round, you watch. There'll be some sort of documentary. And we'll probably all watch it too. <laughs> <laughs> there probably, there probably would be. the The celebration was, I, I mean, it's just you don't often see a celebration like that for a first round series, especially for a team that like considers themselves a or should consider themselves a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, they're the the Vegas betting favorite now. I think after beating yeah. Tampa Bay, like. That's the kind of uh, celebration you would expect out of a out of an underdog beating a one seed, not a team that's expected or has some level of credibility to go all the way, Donnie. Yeah, well, it's all part of the documentary, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I, I get it. You know, two thousand and four is a it's a large fan base, so you know you can have five percent of the people who are their fans in the Toronto area out there, and it would still be you know, a large amount of people. So visually it was pretty, pretty stunning, but that's a long wait. I, I guess I get it. And I guess for a lot of people it made them sick. I also get that, but that, that, that's a, that's a long wait. And the other thing too, and I remember this from back in, in 94 and, and certainly in 2011 is that I'm sure people, especially with what was going on in the Florida Boston series. Now it wasn't over at that point, but they could see a path. You know, if, if we get past, if you know, if, if we get past this dragon, if I can borrow a shorty phrase, yes, then there's a path there. You know, Boston looks fragile. Florida, come on, it, it would be an upset. Who says we can't beat them? And then after that, you know, Dallas or Seattle or a Colorado team that didn't look great, they could see a path. So I think that was probably part of it too. And again, you know, you look back to 2011, you get past Chicago. 
Next two series, Nashville, San Jose, you could see that path. So I think that was part of it, too, with Toronto. They're, they're, they can see a light, you know, at the end of the tunnel, and the, the light's the Stanley Cup final. What about the Boston Bruins? I mean, losing the way they did, is it the biggest choke job that we've seen in the first round in NHL history? Or do you also subscribe to the fact that maybe the, the Panthers were better than we gave credit for? Yeah, there, there, there is that. Um, I would say, it, it, of course, there's 82. And the Oilers, I believe, finished 48 points ahead of the Los Angeles Kings versus, I believe, 43 when it comes to Florida and Boston, the, the point difference. The difference, though, in that series versus this series is, is that that series was a best of five. So it was, you know, it was over quick. You got to jump on someone, it's over. This was best of seven. Boston had a you know, very good chance to recover uh, and, and to nail down a 3-1 series lead to, to finish it. So you could argue that that was the greatest choke job in playoff history, given it was a seven-game series versus L.A. and Edmonton in 82, which was a five-game series, still stunning, and it was the miracle on, on Manchester. But I think the argument for Florida over Boston can be made. And the other thing, too, about that 82 series, people just assumed that the miracle on Manchester was the last game. It wasn't. It was the third game. L.A. went up 2-1. They still had to win another game after that. Edmonton had a chance to recover from blowing a 5 nothing lead, and they didn't. They won the next game, but lost lost the fifth game. But I, I'm still saying that that Boston-Florida was a bigger choke job. So uh, when we talk to you around this time next week, Donnie, mm-hmm. we'll, know, uh, we'll know if the Canucks have won the, the Connor Bedard sweepstakes or not. <laughs> yeah, and just, you know, this um, news uh, out of uh, Switzerland and Macklin Celebrini, uh, Rick's a kid, yeah. who I know fairly well. I know Rick Celebrini fairly well from back in the 86ers and Whitecaps days, and of course working with uh, the NBA now. But the word that he is a big Canuck fan would, would love to play for the Canucks. Same thing as Connor Bedard. You know, so it's, <laughs> you know, you, you just think that one of them's going to fall in the Canucks' lap. Of course, they'd have to have a bad season next year. But yeah, we'll know. And uh, if anybody there wants to bet me that they won't get it, I'm, I, I'm free. I'll, I'm. <laughs> Uh, I'm willing to do that. <laughs> Donnie, you're the best. Always appreciate the time. Thanks for this. Always fun, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, there is uh, Don Taylor. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon, Check TV. Joins us every Monday here on the program. And, yes, we are a week away from the draft lottery sweepstakes at. Yes. The 3% chance at uh, Connor Bedard for the Vancouver Canucks. Hey, man, all you need is a chance, <laughs> and they have a chance. As the Florida Panthers and Seattle Kraken have proven, all you, uh, proven, all you need is a uh, – did I say proven? Proven. Uh, all you need is a chance. I think that's what the Bruins did in the first round. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Um, uh, there's a lot of people upset with my, uh, my take from the last segment, but we'll, uh, we'll ah, have time good. to debate uh, the uh, – Oh, yes, people can say their, their wild stuff. Somebody texted and said, please read my text. Uh, I will be happy if Seattle wins because they're building a team the way I want. No superstars and good players throughout their lineup. Spread the money out evenly. And that's what Vegas should have kept doing. They got to the cup final the first year, and then it all fell apart. I mean, hey, people are praising the Seattle Kraken like they've built a Stanley Cup contender, and I just don't see it yet. No, I know. And it's like, yeah, they they won a round. We'll see what happens. Just look at the history of the National Hockey League. What team has won a Stanley Cup without a superstar? The Blues are probably the closest example in recent memory. Yeah, but they they also had Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. 
and Ryan O'Reilly, who may have been the biggest two-way force down the middle at the time. Yeah, one of them for sure. One of the best ones. I mean, Petrangelo's great, like star-level player. They had uh, a star-level defenseman and a star-level centerman. And a lot of depth, right? Yeah. But still, like, I mean, they're still, they were still paying those guys big money. Yep. The, uh, the Kraken don't have, like, any of those things. I mean, they, I guess, you know, Vince Dunn has played pretty well, played at a star level as a defenseman. He this has. Year. I think Beneers is going to be a star. Yeah. If Beneers isn't, like, I don't know if he'll be, like, star, star, but he might be one of the better two-way centers in the game. Yeah, and hey, man, years, yeah. That, that helps you win. It definitely helps you win. But you don't see teams win without true superstars. You've right? got to have superstars somewhere. I mean, like, but Beneers might Crosby, be. Crosby, Kane, Taves... Kopitar, Dowdy, I mean, go Ovechkin. Like, yeah, go but through I, the list of cup winners, they all have, you know, one common theme. They have the top players in the game at their positions. I think Beniers can be a Kopitar type. Not the same player style, but yeah. I mean, we're talking about a point-per-game guy, slightly below, but a really good two-way guy, right? Yeah. I think if you're that, you're a type of guy that can win. Uh, we are uh, going to take you to uh, Game 5 of the... Um, New Jersey Devils and New York Rangers series, the final first round series that uh, still has to go. But um, I did want to get to something from last week, Sat. What's that? Oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> Friday, we do, we do the mailbag every yeah. Friday, and we got a question on Friday. If you were stranded on an island, who would you want to be stranded on the island with? Would it be the Sad Club Kamish? Jason Bruff or Thomas Trance. Yes. And who would you prefer to be stranded on said island with? And, uh, well, we had our debate. You can go back and listen to it on, on, uh, on the podcast. But uh, one of our listeners went the extra mile with this thought. Yeah, so uh, Alistair uh, sent me a note on Twitter, and he put into chat GPT to write a script about the four of us, me, you, Bruff, and Drance, ending up on a deserted island. <laughs> and so this is what chat GPT has. The camera opens to a deserted island where four people are huddled around a makeshift table made of driftwood. They are Thomas Drance, Sat Shaw, Dan Riccio, and Jason Bruff. They're all staring intently at a map of the island, trying to plan their escape. Drance, I don't think this plan is going to work. We need to come up with a better plan. <laughs> Sat, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good plan. We could use some bamboo to build a raft, then try to sail to the nearest island. Dan Riccio, I just want an espresso. Is that too much to ask for? Sounds about right. Bruff, guys. Chat GPT really knows me. <laughs> yeah. Got there immediately. Right away. Bruff, guys, I don't think any plan is going to work. We're stuck on this island forever. That sounds like sounds rough. Like <laughs> Sat, hey, has anyone seen my Peloton? I brought it with me in case we got stranded. <laughs> Trans Peloton. What, what is that going to do us? We need to focus on building a signal fire so we can get to so we can get rescued. Uh, and then I go on to say, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to start collecting some firewood. Maybe we can roast some marshmallows. <laughs> I'm always thinking about food, of course. Jason Bruff, I guess we could try to build a raft, but I don't think it's going to work. We're screwed. Sat, guys, I really need to use my Peloton. I haven't worked out in days. Trance Peloton. Are you kidding me? We're trying to survive here. Playoffs are trying to win a cup. <laughs> Back to me. I don't know about you guys, but I could really use an espresso right now. And this thing just it cuts deep. It really knows me. Jason Bruff, I'm just going to lie down for a bit. Wake me up when we get rescued. <laughs> and me, fine. Uh, if you guys won't help me with my Peloton, I'll just use it myself. 
<laughs> Drance, unbelievable. We're stranded on a deserted island. You're worried about your workout routine. <laughs> uh, I'm with Sad. I could really use some caffeine right now. Maybe we could use the coffee grounds to start a fire. <laughs> Where did we get coffee grounds from? <laughs> I don't know. Probably in your pockets. You, you always come prepared. Yes. Uh, uh, bruff, I'm telling you guys, we're never getting off this island. We might as well just accept our fate. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it goes on, and essentially uh, the final paragraph in the chat GPT says, the four of them set to work, each with their own priorities in mind. But as they work together, they begin to realize that they're, they just may have a chance to make it off the island after all. So there we go. Chat GPT. Man. Do you have a Peloton? No, I do not. No. <laughs> that's not really the cardio type, so. Well, I mean, I do cardio, but that's not my main, like, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not. But it was, it was good. I mean, the stuff on dress <laughs> was good. And Bruff, the existential dread from Bruff, like, we're never getting out of this. <laughs> we're screwed. Uh, I, I don't know. ChatGPT knows me a little bit too well with all the, the, the coffee <laughs> I references. really need a coffee right now. Um. I've, anytime I've put my name into chat B, GPT, not that I've done this a bunch of times, but it thinks I'm the guy from Apple. <laughs> Does it? The XVP of Apple hardware engineering or something. And now he's working on some unknown project. He doesn't have a legit title with Apple anymore. He's just like working on something for the future. So that's why I still get messages of people being like, can you fix my iPhone? He's like, no. <laughs> no, I can't. No, actually. I can't. I have no idea. Just send it to me and I'll send it right back. <laughs> yes. Don't worry. I'll send it right back. No problem. Bruff. I'm telling you guys, we're never getting off this island. We might as well just accept our fate. <laughs> Sounds just like him, too. So, so shouts to Alice there for sending that in. The sad club commish just uh, <laughs> sad knowing he's forever going to be a Canucks fan that never gets t- to enjoy the ultimate success. No, and finally the year they're going to win a Stanley Cup will be stranded on an island. <laughs> it's uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canuck Central.